0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. So good to be back with you here in Johannesburg. Praise God. We're talking about prayer today. Won't you give everybody a great big welcome? All of you in the service this morning. I'm so glad you're in church, praise God. Give yourselves a great big praise God hand clap for being in church today. Thank you, Lord. You could have been sitting at home watching on a live stream, but you chose to come to church to obey God. God bless you for that. All right, we're talking about prayer. Our subject is 10 reasons why praying in the spirit is important, and as I've said before, if ever we lived in a time Where we need to know how to pray is today. I feel desperately sorry for so many Christians that don't know how to pray. When things go wrong, they're on their own because they don't know how to pray. Isaiah 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And here's one thing we need to know about, that's prayer. All right, not only for ourselves, but for the nation and for the nations of the world. All right, so reason number seven why praying in the Spirit is important is it helps us become sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Said so that praying in the Spirit will help me become sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. John 16 verse 13, Jesus said, "However, when he, the Spirit of Truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will speak, and he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come." So the Holy Spirit does not initiate the instructions that we receive from him. It says he will not speak on his own authority. Yeah, in verse 13. Whatever he hears from Jesus, he'll tell us, whatever the Lord says. All right, now go down to the next verse. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So say that, the Holy Spirit will take what Jesus says and tell us about it. So when the Holy Spirit talks to you, he talks in the person of Jesus. When he speaks, you'll think Jesus is talking to you, and he is actually through the Holy Spirit. Now then, also notice this in that verse. The word he appears several times, he, he, his, he, he, and in verse 14, twice. So that's a total of six, eight times in those two verses, either he or his. So definitely the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person, the third person of the Godhead. Now the Holy Spirit will also take what the Father says and share that with us. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. So we, we cannot receive God's plan through natural senses. God doesn't speak to us in our mind. God speaks to us in our heart, in our spirit. The next verse says, verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So God has revealed what I can't see, what ear hasn't heard. He reveals that to us by the Holy Spirit within our spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, so God has revealed him to us through his spirit. So the Father communicates with you and me via the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus does. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. That's how God and the Lord Jesus communicate with us. Now the same chapter, go down to verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So here again, you see, the Holy Spirit revealing to us what the Father wants us to know. But, That is one reason why the Holy Spirit was given. One reason that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So say this, the Holy Spirit was given to me among several reasons. He is also given to me to speak to me and reveal to me what the Father wants me to know. Amen. So the Holy Spirit was given to me to reveal to me what God has for me in my future. Say that. God gave me the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what he has for me in my future. Isn't that amazing? So God wants you to know his plan for your life. That's why he gave you the Holy Ghost. Why did he give it to you? One reason is so you can know God's plan for the future. God doesn't want us to be walking around like blind people, stumbling over things and falling into ditches. He wants us to know the future. He sent us the Holy Spirit for that reason, among other reasons. All right, now go down to verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's saying that the unsaved person does not receive direction from God. It goes on to say, for they are foolishness to him things of God are foolish to the unsaved, nor can he know them, nor can the unsaved know the things of God, because they are spiritually discerned. Say this, the things of God are perceived in my spirit, spiritually discerned, not head knowledge, but heart received. The natural man seeks knowledge through his five senses but that is not the way we find God. Scientists have not found God with natural wisdom. They've searched on all the planets and not found him. and They'll not find him that way either. Praying in the spirit makes us more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance. If we spend time praying in the spirit, we'll not miss guidance when it comes. Say that, if I spend time praying in the Spirit, I will not miss God's guidance when it comes. We will make right choices if we spend time praying in the Spirit. When an opportunity is presented to you, to us, there's often no time to go pray. If we spend time praying in the Spirit, we will become sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when the opportunity comes to know what God is saying, you'll know. For example, I'm going to share some stories now to help you understand what we're talking about. Say this, not every open door is from God. Again, not every open door is from God. In the Old Testament, Gideon put out a fleece. And he said to God, if there's dew on the fleece, and I'll wake up in the morning, and nowhere else, then I'll know it's your will. And there was dew on the fleece. So the next day, he said, okay, fine. If there's dew everywhere else and not on the fleece, I'll know it's your will. So we talk about putting a fleece out in the New Testament to know if it's God's will or not. And that's how people do get fleeced. They don't get the answer because God doesn't guide us through our senses today. The Holy Ghost lives in us. Gideon didn't have that. We do. All right. The Holy Spirit came after the resurrection, after Jesus had cleansed our hearts from sin. Now, at the beginning of 1980, Pastor Viv and I, we're invited to a barbecue at the home of one of our friends. And Kenneth Hagin, Jr., from Raymond Tulsa, was at this barbecue, or bra. Now, Kenneth Hagin, Jr. was going to speak at a meeting that night. And uh, so we got to talking at this barbecue and invited me and... Pastor, we have to drive in the car with him to the service. So while we're driving in the car talking about the things of God, he invited me to come to Tulsa and be a full-time teacher at Rema Bible School in Tulsa. Now, let me just explain to you. This is going back 1980. That was a huge honor for me because I can't tell you how much respect and love I have and appreciation I have for his dad, Kenneth Hagan Sr. And uh, so that would be like a dream come true for me as a young minister of the gospel. And we had just started the church in Bedford View at the time. We'd been going about six months and we had about 200 people attending. And uh, so the entire way to this meeting, which is about a 30-minute to 35-minute drive, he was telling us about the opportunities and the blessings of being a full-time teacher at Rama. And uh, so we never said anything. And uh, we sat at the church together, and he spoke, we said goodbye afterwards, went home. And I said to Pastor Bev, I said, how did you feel about that when, you were in, when we were invited to go to Tulsa? How do you, you feel about that in your heart? You know, um, I, I hear God's voice very clearly, but I always consult my wife when it has something to do with us together. Because God, if it's got something to do with us together, God will speak to her as well as to me. And that's a great test to make sure you make destiny-defining decisions wisely. So, she said, no, the whole time I had an uneasiness in my heart. I did not feel good about this, a check in my heart, Wrong, wrong for us to go. And actually, that's exactly how I felt. I felt this grieving inside, the whole time I was talking. In fact, it got so bad, at one time, I actually felt nauseous. And uh, so, the next night, we were going to go to dinner with them. With Kenneth Hagen Jr., we took them to dinner at a very nice restaurant in Johannesburg in those days, and uh, at the restaurant, the subject came up again, and we explained that God has definitely called us to South Africa to start a church, and uh, we have got to be obedient to that call. And we thanked him tremendously for offering us this opportunity. But you think about this. If we'd gone to Ramah, and even if I was still there now as a lecturer at Ramah Bible School, then you think of the 1,300 churches around the world, with probably 200,000 people attending, and you think of the 84 Bible schools around the world, And the thousands that have been trained in the word of God, that would not have happened. And San Antonio would not have happened. None of that would happen. And how many of you would not even be saved if we'd gone to Raymo? Say this again. Not every open door is from God. In 1986, Pastor Bev and I were in Hawaii with Bob and Marty Tilton. They took us on an all expenses vacation to Hawaii, which we greatly appreciated. Now, they had a very large church in Dallas, Texas at the time. About 15,000 people attending that church. And uh, in 1983, I spoke on... Satellite Bible School for Bob Tilton. Over 2,000 churches across America and Canada watched this Bible School. And I was one of the lecturers on there with Norval Hayes and Charles Capps and Bob Tilton and Maranicki. It was a great time. I did two complete seasons on that Bible School, 183 and 184. In 1983, I taught on the Blood Covenant. In 1984, I taught on praying in the Spirit. Now, Bob and Marty Tilton were great people, people of great character, integrity. They had phenomenal vision, and they impacted many, many churches around the world and did great missionary works in Mexico and other countries. And God was using them mightily. They were encouraging thousands of pastors around the world. They had a unique ministry, a unique ministry. So while we were in Hawaii on this particular trip, one day sitting on the beach, Monty Tilton invited me to be the pastor of that church. Now Bob was very focused on his television ministry around the world around the world, a great, great television ministry. So he's focused on that, and he wanted somebody who would pass to the congregation and preach on occasions in his absence. So Marty Tilton, Sierra Beach, presented this concept. And uh, while she was talking, we never said anything. I just got this check in my heart, don't do it. This uh, grieving in my heart, don't do it. And uh, now, at that time, at that time, this is 1986, right? We had just gone through the 1985, April 16th, Healing, what do I call it? It was an amazing, big healing meeting, but the media got a hold of that and just destroyed us with it. And uh, I think you know the story. Read my book on uh, Give Me This Mountain. It'll tell you the full story. So anyway, at that time, the church had gone down from 6,000 people on Sunday morning to 600. And so when she invited us to go to Dallas, it would have been so easy for us to say, and the devil did try and get us thinking along the slide. Well, look, the church has gone from 6,000 on Sunday morning to 600. It's almost collapsed, why don't you just give it over to some pastors there in the church, and you go and take over this church, because obviously Bob and Marty would pay you very well, and you can pastor this large church here in Dallas. The devil tried to get us to do it, I promise you right now, painted this rosy picture, all natural, we'd love to do it, because we loved them very much. We respected them greatly. And so when we got to the hotel, I said to Pastor Bev, how do you feel about that? She said, no, the whole time Marty was talking, I had the sadness and this unrest in my heart. And I know we must not do it. We've got to stay and pass the church in South Africa. God has a very good reason for us to be there. And are we glad we did? Once again, look at all God's done in South Africa and around the world which would not have happened had we gone. Now, think about this. A few years later, let me rewind by saying, Satan hated Bob and Marty. He attacked them relentlessly. The media was merciless in their attacks on Bob and Marty. Around the clock. And Bob became tired of all the stress after a few years. And unfortunately, it was at that very time that someone came and tempted him, a woman, and he fell. When he was weak, the devil came and he fell. And that was the beginning of the end of that entire incredible ministry. So if we had been there at that time, what would I be doing now? What would we possibly been doing now? What would we do? We'd have no job. We'd have to start again from scratch in America. So aren't we glad that we listened to the Holy Ghost and stayed? Because none of this would have happened if we had left. Can you see that? I can tell you so many stories of people who have made choices that seemed good at the moment, but weren't, was not the will of God. And the wheels came off and they end up with nothing. Say this, not every open door is from God. Not every open door is from God. In 2001 we expand the church to San Antonio as well, the ministry, from Johannesburg with two campuses. And at that very time, David Alberton, a good friend of mine, you might have heard him speak for us in Johannesburg, his father was getting on in years and wanted to retire. His name is Bert Alberton. And uh, he was pastoring a church that had about 1,500 people in it, attending, and had several million dollars' worth of assets, and he said that he wanted to go and retire to West Palm Beach, Florida, and he would love it dearly if Pastor Bevan I would take over that ministry and so he could retire. As long as we paid him his salary, that would be fine as a retirement package. So I said, yes, let's come to the church, let's preach two weekends, and I'll pray and ask God what he says. We'll look at it at least, consider it. The thinking was that if God said yes, then we could still start the church in San Antonio as the Lord had instructed. And that we could have finances from the church in Dallas to help start this church here in San Antonio. It seemed like a great idea if God would want it. So the first weekend, we had great crowds. The second weekend, staying room only in that church. And. Uh, After the service that weekend, Pastor Bev got in the car with Marty Tilton in front of me, Marty's car, driving to the restaurant after church. I was driving in the rental. And I was talking to God in the car. And I said, Now, Lord, this could be you, because, you know, Johannesburg. The South African government did not allow Johannesburg CFC to send money out the country to start a church here in America. But this could be God's way, this could be your way, Father, of financing this church in San Antonio from Dallas. If we pass to both churches, it's only 35 minutes, 40 minutes in an airplane, and it's five hours at the most in a car. So we could do that quite comfortably. Anyhow, I said, Lord, what do you think about that? What is, your, what is your plan? Do you want us to do this or not? I didn't get an answer. Now, there's something I need to explain to you. Your spirit, your heart is like soil. It'll grow whatever you plant in it. The Bible tells us in James, chapter one, and verse twenty-six, that the tongue can deceive the heart. The tongue can deceive the heart, which means that your heart believes what your tongue says. That's what it's saying. Your heart thinks it's true. That's why it's so important for us not to speak foolishly, idly. Because we deceive our hearts and speak words of doubt and unbelief because your heart believes it's true. Nevertheless. So, I decided to role play. role play this incident because I understand that the tongue can deceive the heart to believe. So I said to myself, I'm going to say with my mouth, I'm going to accept this offer and I imagine me shaking Bert Orbritton's hand and saying, Bert, thank you for offering us the church. We're so excited. We want to come take this church. And you go live and retire in West Palm Beach, Florida. So I acted out like I was actually talking to him while I'm driving the car. And when I did that, immediately, my heart thought I was genuinely going to do that. This was actually happening, see? So I got a check immediately, an unrest in my heart. Peace left. And uh, so then I reversed it and I said, hi Bert, shake your hand. I wanna thank you for the offer of letting us have the church here in in, uh, Dallas. And you're gonna go live in Florida and retire. However, God says, I must not take this church. We're going to go to Dallas, we're going to go to San Antonio, and start the church from scratch. And when I said that, immediately, I had a peace in my heart. A great peace came over me. I knew then, what to do. The next day, at our scheduled appointment, at the hotel, when I saw Bert, He said to him, well, have you decided what God said? He was so excited because the meetings were amazing. And I said to him, I shook his hand, I said, Bert, I love you very much. I appreciate so much this opportunity. But God said, clearly, do not take this church in Dallas. Go to San Antonio and start this church from scratch without financial backing from anywhere. And so we did. We came and did that. And the rest is history. Praise God. Now, I've got time to give you two other quick stories. I was invited by my sister to go to lunch with her and her husband. And While sitting in the restaurant talking, the Spirit of God spoke to me. Now listen, this is because I was praying in tongues that I realized this, okay? God speaks to you when you pray in tongues. So, the Spirit of God said to me, your sister is going to divorce her husband that she's sitting with, and she's going to marry a man that she just mentioned to me in this conversation. And you need a warner not to do it. So I said, Ingrid, I just went white. I was shocked. I said, come with me, please. And um, went outside the restaurant. And I said to her, look, I heard God speak to me. I didn't tell you what he said. He told me to tell you. You're going to divorce your husband. and You're going to marry this man. It's not God's will. Don't do it. Well, she was not happy with that. She was upset with me because I said that at the time. Very unhappy. I understand. Because that was not an intention at the time. But that exact thing happened. Within a year, she divorced her husband and remarried this man. And this man tried to kill her, murder her several times, and her life was supernaturally spared by praying in the Spirit for her, supernaturally spared. I have never have time to tell you about all that. I think that's in my book on hearing God's voice. The last little story I want to tell you goes back to around about 1984. When the Spirit of God told me while praying one morning that our accountant had stolen a lot of money from the church. One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, two for me, one for you, one, two, three for me, one for you, that kind of thing. Anyway, so. I, um, he kept pressing me on that. So then I spoke to our pastors and I said, look, what is the possibility that this lady has been stealing the church's money? And they said, no, impossible. She's not like that. So I ignored it. I thought, okay, fine. You're just missing God. A few days later, while praying again, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You better fix this. She's stolen money from the church. And so eventually i called her in to my study at home i am not want to do this at the church she came sat down and i just looked in her eye and i said you know so and so you know and i know that you have been stealing money from the church she just burst out crying burst out crying so i just sat and watched after a while, she repented and she said that she'd bring it all back and that she had the money in a suitcase under her bed. She brought back 98,000 rand. Now in 1934, in 1984, 98,000 rand would have been 120,000 U.S. dollars. But now, in 1984, what would 98,000 Rand buy you? I think a car is about 3,000 Rand back then, a new one. If I'm correct, you can look that up and see. Maybe somebody can do that for me right now. But that was a lot of money back then, huge. You can buy a beautiful house in Bedford View for 200,000. So, um, there was a lot of money, but she brought it back, repented, and I had to let her go. I didn't call the police about it. But so, I say this, praying in the Spirit definitely helps us become sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Again, praying in the Spirit helps us become sensitive to the leading and guidance of of the Holy Spirit. Now, as this series goes on, I'll tell you many more stories like that. We don't have time for that right now. All right, praise God. So don't miss next weekend, as we continue with this very important subject on 10 reasons why praying in the Spirit is important. Praise God. All right, now if you need to be full of the Holy Ghost, you want this for yourself, you can come up to the front right now. If you need prayer for healing, you can come up to the front right now. The Pastors are all here, the leaders of the fellowship groups are here right now. Dream Team leaders are here to pray with you. You will receive what you came for. Come on up right now. Praise God. All right, go ahead and lay hands on them and start praying for them. And the rest of you, I want you to sit back in your seats, close your eyes, Start praying in tongues. Pray in the Spirit for South Africa, for the world, and for your family. Pray right now for this church. Pray in the Holy Ghost that God move supernaturally as you pray. Now, God, praise God. All right, praise God. I believe all your needs are met in Jesus' name. Now, can we all go back to our seats? I'd like to um, invite you all to close your eyes and bow your heads. God to give an opportunity to those who don't know Jesus to find the Lord as Savior here this morning. All right, let's all close our eyes. If you want to be sure you're going to heaven one day and you don't know where you're going, when I count to three, slip your hand up and God will speak to you right there in your seat. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, slip your hand up and God will speak to you right in your seat and give you the confirmation that you are saved. Going to heaven. God is your Father. That's what you want. One, two, three. Slip those hands up. Praise God. All right. Thank you. Somebody's coming to put their hands on your shoulders now to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. I invite everybody now to say the prayer with me, especially you that raised your hands. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Save my life. Praise God. Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour. I'm bound for heaven. God is my Father. Praise God. God richly bless you. Give Him a great big praise God, everybody. dot com.